Look at your neighbor and say he's worthy. I said say he's worthy of your praise. Amen. 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 While while you're standing, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now, we're just going to read a couple of verses, then I'll let you be seated on your good intentions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Say amen when you're there. All right. It says, for everything, there is a season. For a time, a time for every activity under heaven. For everything, turn, turn, turn. Okay. If you were around in the 60s, you would know what that song is. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. It goes on to say a time to kill and a time to heal. I'm not a Kila, I'm a Stila. Okay, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and build up and to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to keep reading. though. A time to scatter stones and to gather, a time to embrace and, a, and to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a, a time to keep and, and a time to throw away, a time to hear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak, A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Wow, this is a time for everything. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for all that you've done up to this point, and especially for the stuff that you're about to do in the next few moments. Lord, as we're talking and listening and learning that there is a time for everything, and right now is the time for our hearts to be open, for us to be quiet and to listen to you, to be obedient to what you would have to say unto us. Use, let us be good stewards of this time, good stewards over this moment, O oh Lord. We ask this in your name, and everyone says, amen, so be it. Speaking of time, a lot of things happen around here that you don't get to see because the TVs are turned towards me, and we have all kinds of time things to keep me on time. And the church said, and when football season comes, I know you'll really be saying amen. <clears throat> Pastor, <clears throat> checking my watch real big. Did you ask what time it was? Let me see. We all have time. How many wearing a wristwatch today? Yeah? It's broken. We'll pray for it in Jesus' name. Just a moment. Pastor Laura says hers is broken. Time. We all have time. We we keep time. We got clocks everywhere we go, right? We got them in our car. We got them in our house. We got them in the church. We got people telling me when it's time. Holly gives me the stink eye sometimes. He's like, wrap it up, B. You better wrap it up, yo. So I got a time. So from the moment I step up here, I know how long I've been up here on stage. I can keep track of that. Um, we have time telling us all kinds of stuff. Our calendars are ruled by time. Our life is dominated by time. We just, it is what it is. I, I don't really have a joke for you this morning other than simply just to tell you about a guy who had been traveling all night and he had been so tired. He had driven all through the night and finally that morning he came into a town and he said, you know, I've got to get some shut-eye, at least an hour or two of sleep. So he pulled into what he thought was a quiet park area and kind of kicked his seat back and closed his eyes. He was watching the back of his eyelids. And not too long after that, someone came by and knocked on his window. He came up and there was a jogger running by. And 
The jogger asked him, he said, hey, sir, uh, can you tell me what time it is? He said, it's 8.15. He goes, lays back down, and the next few moments come by, and here's another knock on his window. He, he kind of wakes up. It's another jogger. Where's this jogger central here? And he says, what, what, what's going on? He goes, well, this is where all the joggers run through this park. He said, sir, do you, do you have what, can you tell me what time it is? And the guy says, it's 8.25. And uh, he looks around outside of his windows and notices that he's about to get a lot of knocks on his window, most likely. There's a lot of people getting ready to come by. So he cleverly writes on a piece of paper that says, I don't have the time, and sticks it on his window. Lays back down in his seat. He's about to get some rest, about to doze off, doze off into, doze off too, by the way, but to doze off into Neverland. Before you know it, there's a knock on the window. He rolls it down. He says, what? The jogger says, it's 8.30. You ever notice, it's, there's always a time for something. It's time for breakfast. It's time for lunch, which we were, are close upon. <laughs> there's dinner time. Did anybody grow up in the days, if your mom or your dad or your grandparents, if you had a farm, maybe they rang the dinner bell? Ding, 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 ding. Have you ever, have you ever seen those old episodes of Gunsmoke? Some of those shows, man, they ding, 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 ding. It's time for a diaper. It's all kinds of time. It's, there's, all, there's all time for everything. Time for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. Time to go to the bathroom. You know when your kids were little, their eyes would be floating, and you knew when it was time for them to go to the bathroom because they're like, do you go to the bathroom? No. I want to keep playing. I'm, gonna have so, I'm having so much fun, I'm just peeing my pants. I don't even care what time it is. It's a time for everything. You ever been late to something? Do you know someone in your life who is notoriously late? And when you tell them, <laughs> all the husbands, oh my God, I wish you could have seen what I just saw. Oh, man. Seriously, like every, about every male's head in here just went like that. <laughs> so, you know, when you tell your wives, like, we're leaving. We're, well, honey, what time do you want to go? You're thinking, well, if I say 10 o'clock, that really means like 1030, 1045. So we need, to, we need to leave about 930. <laughs> Give myself a good buffer time. Now, be fair to all the ladies in the house. I'm painting with a broad picture. It very well, your husband could be the late one in the house. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> But there's a time for everything. Then there's people who, you know, they're just late to everything. They'd be late to their own funeral. You know what I'm saying? Just, they'd be late. They're late. We got teenagers like that. I youth pastor, Holly and I youth pastored for nine years. If we were going to leave for camp or on a trip, and we, I could say for a month, I could advertise, we are leaving this parking lot at 8 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock. The vans pull out. It is, is what it is. Some people are late. And then there's some people who are early. How many like to be early to stuff? Yeah. How about early to church one day? Wouldn't that be awesome? You should shock the pastor one day and everybody just show up early. And then I'll show up late. We'll, we'll just see what it's like. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying I want to stroll in one Sunday like 1045, 11 o'clock. This is what this feels like. Okay, I get it. Now I know whenever it comes in late. It, the rare times that we do miss a Sunday and we go visit a church somewhere, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'll tell Holly, like, look, I'm not getting up early and I'm not going to be the first one there. And I'm not going to be the last one to leave. 
I'm going to stroll in a little later, and then I'm gonna, we're going to leave early, and we're gonna, we're, I want to experience it too is all I'm saying. You know what I mean? And so there's a time for everything. Ecclesiastes tells us that, you know, it's clearly doesn't list everything here, but he is, the writer is, is telling us that there's a time for everything, right? There's a time and a season, there's, a, there's an appointment for everything that, that God's got his clock and that we have our clock. In fact, in the, in the very beginning of the Bible, when we read the, the account of creation, right? It, how, how many days, I'm giving you freedom to talk out loud right, right now in church. So in this only singular moment, this is dangerous, I know. But if you have the answer, the earth was created in how many days? Six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't actually trying to trick you. I was. <laughs> That's like, you know, when you get home later, go read First Peter chapter 10, okay? You know what I'm saying? This, uh... <laughs> oh, listen, yeah, he created right, six days on a seven-day time. There, there was time, right? Uh, did you know that, that there, there's two moments in the, in the Bible where, where God paused time and reversed time? That's pretty cool. That time is mentioned in the Bible. There's a time for everything. There's, the Bible says that there's going to be a time when the Holy Spirit will no longer contend with man, meaning that the world will be in a, a place where it's so depraved, so backwards, it almost seems like we're there now. But by, it says that they'll call God good, bad, and they'll call bad good, and righteousness will be unrighteousness. And again, it certainly seems like we're fitting that picture now. And he says, in that time, the Holy Spirit will will begin to grieve over mankind. And when that time comes, the Bible says that Jesus will rapture his church. Amen? I don't know about you, but that's a time that I'm looking forward to. If you're not ready, then you're saying, no, 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 I don't want that time to come yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But we should be ready because Jesus told his disciples. See, they were all asking among themselves. And they asked Jesus when he was talking about the last days. They said, Jesus, when, when, when is this time going to come? When is this time going to happen? And Jesus says, well, it's not for you to worry about. Don't worry about that time. Don't worry about that time. Just be ready. Because no man knows the time or the hour when I shall return. But isn't it funny? For, for years and decades and centuries, people have been trying to predict that the time that Jesus would return, right? Remember, it was 2012, the Mayan calendar, just a couple of years ago. You got, how many remember that? In December 2012, in 2012 there's going to be this mass exodus, and it didn't happen. We're still here. And then back in the, I think it was back in the 80s, the last time Halley's Comet came around, how many remember that? Bunch of, there were going to be a bunch of people that were going to hitch a ride on Haley's Comet? Seriously, that was, I'm not making that up. That, that's a true story. It's funny. We're laughing because it sounds funny, but that's a true story. And, 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 and back in the 70s, there was, a, there was a preacher named Jim Jones. And there, some, of us, some of you younger don't, don't know what this is, but this guy went around saying that he was Jesus and that they were all going to drink this Jesus juice and go to heaven. And he murdered a bunch of people. And, but he said he was the Messiah and it was time to go to heaven. There's been all kinds of people all the time saying this stuff. 
Hey, have you ever noticed that we use the word time to fit our context and our story and the context of our story, right? We say things like this, maybe to our spouse or our children. You do that all the we, we use the word time to describe one moment as if it happens all the time. Like, man, you do this all the, right, all the time you're like that, all the time. Or it happens every, or every time you do this. And we use time in a way to describe a situation, an emotion, to fit the context of our story or to describe the context and the content of our story. And we say something really outlandish about someone. You do this all the time. And we, we exaggerate time. We exaggerate it just like that. We know they don't do that all the time, but we're so frustrated in that moment. We say that you do this all the Always like this. You're always late. You're never on time. Or you're, you're always early. Boy, I better get there before him or her. She's always on time. Time is used to describe a lot of things. In Ecclesiastes, he's saying basically what we can draw away from this is that there is a time for everything, a time and a season for us to do all these things. What if I, what if I told you that every morning when you woke up, that you had $10,080 in your account every day? How many would raise your hand and say, I would like $10,080 in my account. In the name of Jesus, we claim it, declare it, it'd be so. Amen. $10,080. So, you actually do. You have 10,080 seconds every day. All of us. No matter how rich we are, no matter how poor we are, from the guy that lives in a penthouse somewhere in New York to those of us that live in Belton, to the guy that, that owns his own private island and cruises on G5s all around the world, to us driving farm trucks on Central and Main Street here in Belton. We all have the same amount of time every day. The pastor, you, me. We all are given the same amount of time. Now, how many, you have to raise your hand. You can agree with me in your own way, however you feel like doing that quietly or you can say amen, but I think we're all guilty or, or maybe guilty is not the right word, but our common denominator is like we'll describe time in, in, in possessive terms. So what I mean by that is we will say things like, and I don't want to waste my time on that. Has anyone ever done that before? Maybe just in your head, someone's asking you to volunteer or, or do something or, or you're supposed to be somewhere and you just don't really want to go and you say, man, I don't have the time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that, time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> you don't know how bad I wanted to play that video today, but I thought, man, I might lose a whole audience. Ain't nobody got time for that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, find a teenager in the house and ask them. <laughs> but we use the word, we use the word time in possessive, in possessive language. We say it's my time. This is, I need, I need me some me time. Ladies, you go to the spa and you sit down. Oh, it's a little harder than I thought. Did squats yesterday. And you get your toes done, polish them. I mean, you pull your shoes off and they're like, you know, they're looking at your feet and they're saying in their language something about your feet. 
and I see toes like that on Sasquatch or something, you know. And the lady gets up because she doesn't want to touch them, and someone else comes over. Get your toes done. I don't know. That's probably bad. Get your toes done and get your nails done. Any guys in here ever had a pedicure? Raise your hand if you're brave enough. If you're a man enough, give it up for the man of health with a pedicure. Yeah. Listen, now you just got to go once to know why the women go and get it done. I'm serious, man. It's something about you put your feet in that hot water lava thing and it takes the skin off. And then, and then they massage. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know what? A lot of people that are, who are diabetic go and because it helps with the circulation. I'm not diabetic, but, it's, but maybe that's a good excuse to go. I don't know. I'm just saying. But in all seriousness, yeah. So, you know, you go. And this is, I'm going to get me some me time. I want some me time. Guys, we go to the golf course. We go hunting. We go out to the barn. Go out to the garage. Go to the man cave. Whatever your me time is. Go hang out with the buddies. Uh, we had some of us guys in the church went and saw a movie Friday night. I can't remember what time it what time we went. You know, I'm, my time's all confused. So we, we, sometimes we just want some me time in life, don't we? we just, I want some me time. You know, sometimes with the kids, the kids are running and screaming. And, you know, you're, you're, then the, the spouses start screaming at each other. And you're saying, you know, whose kids are these, you know? And it's shut these kids up. And, and uh so, so example, for me on Sunday afternoons after I've preached and I've prayed and I've visited with some people and sometimes we go out to lunch, I like a little me time. And, and sometimes a little, my me time might look different. I might go out to the garage and I'll work out and I'll, I mean, I'll push myself in some kind of workout. And that is how I decompress. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. There are some days where I go in, I mean, I strip down to my, my boxers and, and my shorts and I sit in the couch and if football's on, I zone right in. And I got like this imaginary sign that says, do not disturb. Holly will poke her head around the corner. She'll see, all she can see is my feet and hear the TV. And she's like, don't disturb the bear. Walk away. (laughs) What I'm trying to get us to see, church, is time is not something that we invented. We didn't invent it. And you may have more degrees than, than a thermometer. You may be smarter than any doctor you may, on the planet you, you may, or a Nobel Prize winner. You're, you're just smart and you, you're, you've made a lot of money in life, but doesn't mean that you get more time in your day. You may be the poorest person in here, have nothing to your name, but you're just still going to have the same amount of time. Are you with me today, church? We're all, listen, given this time. Time is not mine. It is not yours. But we say things in possessive terms as if we own it. That is the issue of the heart today. How do we worship? This whole month we're talking about worship. How do we worship God with our time? I mean, this is my most favorite watch, my most precious possession. I love you guys. This watch was a special gift to me by myself. I gave it to myself. And I remember I was like, would you like to have this watch? And I was like, yes, I would. Thank you. And I remember when myself gave myself this watch. It was a beautiful day. You know, no one else is going to give you a gift. You might as well go get yourself the gift. Make it a good day. That's what I'm saying. So we were in Indianapolis, and I was like, I deserve it. I've been a good guy. I've been a good boy. Time. It's everywhere. And I saw this watch, and I wanted it, so I bought it. 
And I love this watch. I love this watch so much that sometimes I rarely wear it because I don't want to put a scratch on it. Gospel truth, this is like my Sunday going out watch. You know, if I'm going to go out on a date with the wife, I might wear this watch Sundays. I feel like it helps me preach better, whatever. I didn't get any amen, so maybe that watch is failing me. See, I got to check my time. All right, I'm good. And so, but, but I, this is my watch. This is my watch. You want to take it from me, you're going to have to come wrestle it off of me. This is my watch. It, this is my watch. I bought it, but, but, but as much as this is my watch, and, it's, and this is my favorite watch, and it's my special watch, and it's a real heavy watch, it's the real deal Holyfield. That's what I like about it. It's not a fake imitation. This is, this is a real nice watch. And so I love this watch. I'm protective over this watch. But no matter what I'm doing throughout the day, no matter if I'm wearing this watch or not, the hands on this watch are going to spin. When I'm asleep, it's going to spin. And so when I go to sleep, time doesn't stop and wait for me to get up in the morning. And God says, oh, guess what? Now I can start the day because you're awake. But isn't it so funny that life becomes about us so quickly and so easily? And we think that everything revolves around us. Even time revolves around us. And our schedule begins to rule us. And our schedule begins to govern us. And let me say this just as a general thing that you can apply to any part of your life. What you don't become the master of will master you. That's a good place to say amen. What you don't master will master you. If you're not the master over your clock, it will become your master. So this is where, how do we worship God with, with our time? How do we worship it? I don't pull this watch off and go, here you go, Lord, and I worship you, almighty God. I guess I do if it's actually on my arm. There we go. If I, if I worship with the left hand, I got the watch up in the air. What I'm saying, how do I worship God? We're, this whole month we're talking about worship. How do we actually worship God with our time? Here's how taking notes, write this down. It comes down to a stewardship issue. Am I a good steward over my time? Do I find it that there are moments where I'm lazy with my time? And I'm, I'm just lazy. I, there are things that I know I need to be doing to care for my family, care for myself. There are people who are, who are lazy with their time and they're not paying their bills on time and they call themselves a Christian, but, but man, according to the financial world, they're not Christians because they're not good stewards over their money and their time. They're not paying their bills in a timely manner. They're spending their money. They're bad stewards and spending their money in places other than they need to be spending them first. Are we good stewards over our time? Are we, are we truly good stewards over our time? Parents, are we good stewards over the time that we have with our children? If you're like the Thrasher household... I've been the senior, the lead, I've been a part of this church for 20-something years. I've been the lead pastor, Holly and I have. This is our fifth year that we've been your pastors. And I can tell you, in that amount of time, and even before that, but even more so now that I've taken on this role, Holly and I were talking about this last night. We were talking about, I was sharing her with my notes, and we were talking about time. In our house, just so you know, when it comes time for family prayer, it is a battle. There are rare moments where everything has fallen. It's like the sea has become steel, and you're just like, somebody pinch me, wake me up. 
The kids are quiet. They're getting along. And there's no clothes even in the washing machine. There's no TVs on. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that rare. It's like when every star in the universe lined up for a second. <laughs> and I don't know if your house, maybe your house is more perfect than mine. I don't know, but not in our house. And so when it comes for prayer time, God time in our house, if we're not intentional about it, it's not like it's just going to happen. It's not as if the devil's going to say, oh, you know what? Let me turn, put in our hearts, turn the TV off so you can go be with each other and meet before thy Lord and maker. You know what the devil's going to do? He's going to ramp up our emotions. He's going to try to cause some friction between us. He's going to cause it so that we don't want to pray, that we don't want to study God's word. Give us these uh, weird desires in our heart that would friction against God. What is time? How do I worship God with my time? It means for some of us that maybe we need to get up earlier in the morning and carve out time for God in the morning. Maybe it means for some of us, because of your job, maybe you work 24 on or 40, you work 48 on and 24 off. You, for some of our peace officers or our first responders, I know some of you have some crazy schedules. And so we, what I'm saying to you is when you ask God, just, I, let me say it this way. Isn't it unique? Isn't it funny how one little prayer, just one quick, simple prayer can change the course of your life? I believe it. I believe that when we pray with intention and sincerity and authenticity and transparency in a prayer, and it can be short, if today your prayer were to be, Lord, I need help. I am not a good steward over my time. I need you to come and help me in this process. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're intentional about it and you pray that, I believe that when we do that, the Holy Spirit will come into our lives and begin to help guide us, help us process the 24 hours that we're given in a day. Let me say that again. The 24 hours that we're given in a day. No one in this room, including me, is promised tomorrow. That's a sober kind of dark reality, yet it is a promise. It's a guarantee that none of us are promised tomorrow. This could be the last time I ever preach a message. It could be the last time that I see you or you see me. Now you say, Pastor Buzzkill, you know, you just crashed the plane. You know, what happened to us soaring real high? I'm saying that these are realities. If this is my last time with you or your last time with me or we're not promised tomorrow, man, we should be good stewards over the time that we do have. But let's just say all things being equal that all of us are going to live until Jesus comes back. Until he takes us out of heaven. Let's just say, best case scenario, however you are, you old right now, and, and however old I am right now, we're just, we're just going to live till Jesus comes back. All right, is everybody okay with that one? You like that scenario a little better? Yeah. All right, nobody dies in this picture, in this story, all right? We just all live forever, unicorns and rainbows. Okay. We all live forever in this story. But let's just say, all things being equal, we're going to live until Jesus comes back. We're going to live until Jesus comes back. And we're just, we're just, whatever age that is, Jesus comes back. What are we going to do with our time? Are we going to be good stewards over time? Are we going to really worship God with our time? And I guess my challenge to you today is to really evaluate what you're doing with your time. You know, are we doing it to, to build God's kingdom? Or are we using our time to build our kingdom? Are we busy about our business? Or are we busy about his business? There's a, there's a really quick passage found in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And I, I need to set the whole story, but I won't take long because, let me check my clock here, only because I'm running out of time. 
in all seriousness, Luke chapter 2, verse 49. This is Mary, Jesus' mother. How many know when, when your mother talks to you? First of all, what is, it, what is it like to be the mother of Jesus? Like, how do you kind of yell at Jesus? You know, do you ask for forgiveness after doing that? I'm just saying, that would have been weird. If you're Joseph, you're like, I'm going to spank Jesus. Well, how does this work? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, God, what, what am I doing here? Do I spank him? You know, who, what's going on? He's, you know, so this is Mary. She's saying to Jesus, they had taken Jesus with a Jewish traditions and custom had taken him at the time of feast to, to be dedicated at the temple. He's 12 years old. They, they're with a bunch of family. They're traveling in a big caravan. They had traveled a long way to be there. The caravan takes off out of the station. Jesus stays behind. This is the first home alone kind of thing right here. I mean, Jesus is left. And she comes to Jesus I think there needs to be an exclamation mark in there somewhere, too, because i got to imagine Mary, like any mother, is like, you know, if you ever lost your kid for a time, you're, you're angry at them, but you're happy you found them. You ever experienced that before, parents? For Like in a mall or something, you're like, you want to hug them and choke them in the same breath? That, I'm joking, but, you know, you're, you're, you're like, why were you searching for me is Jesus' reply. Well, why were you searching for me? He, he asked. And she, he says, don't you know that I must be in my father's house? This is Jesus' response to her when she says, where have you been? Your father and I have been looking everywhere for you. Jesus. Yeshua is what it would have been. And, and as she would have said it in, in Hebrew, Yeshua. He says, Jesus, where were you? We've been looking for you. Man, don't you know the caravan has left the station, son? Boy, when I tell your father, when he gets home, what you've done. Please don't tell dad. I wonder if Jesus said that. Please don't tell dad. That's what I would always say if my mother said that. You just wait till dad. Please, God, if you can give him a lapse of memory, this is the moment I need you to do it. But in all seriousness, what do we do with our time? In his response at 12 years old, he looked at his mother only because he's a son of God and he could get away with it. He looked at his mother and he says, but why were you looking for me? I don't understand. Don't, isn't this where you expect me to be? Where else would I be? Where else would I be but in my father's house doing what my father called me to do? My question to you is, with our time, are we worshiping God with our time? Really worshiping God with our time? Paul says, encourages us to, to worship all the time. David was a worshiper. Worship before the Lord. He was so crazy, he even did it naked once, which is, I don't know, but he did. But we're to worship the Lord with our time. How do we worship God with our time? Well, we have to be good stewards over our time. Let's stand to our feet today. My challenge and my question to you is, are you a good steward with the time that you have? We're all given the same amount of time. Like right now, when we leave here, we're going to have the same amount of time. What are we going to do that will glorify God with our time? Will we use this, this time, our time this week to help someone else or to help ourselves? Will we still be possessive over the word time and say, man, that's my time. This is my time. This is me time. I promise you, if you're a good steward with your time and you begin honoring God with your time, he'll honor you. You start carving out time for God, he'll make sure that there is time for the things that you love and enjoy to do. Be a good steward over your time. We're going to sing and worship God. Then we're going to move into a time of prayer before we're dismissed. 
And as we sing and as we worship and as we shout to God, as we honor God, let's use this time wisely to connect with God. Amen. Let's use this time wisely to honor him. Amen. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I'm going to ask all of our prayer partners, our staff, our elders to join me quickly at the front. As they're coming in this moment, just want to pray over you. If you're a guest for the first time today, we take an opportunity every Sunday morning to pray over those that want prayer. Maybe you're here today and you're sick in your body. James chapter 5 says that we can call for the elders of the church, that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'd love to pray for you today. Maybe you want to stand in for someone. Perhaps you're here today, you've been hurting. Maybe you feel like the world has turned against you. You just need an encouraging word. You want someone just to hug you and agree with you that this week is going to be better. Perhaps you're here today and what I've been speaking on about being a good steward over your time, that you've failed God in that. Maybe you failed miserably. Maybe you, you're asking for peace in your heart and you want clarity in your mind to be able to be, to be able to be the ruler of your schedule, the ruler over your time. For God to give you wisdom of how to rule your time. I'm not going to be here forever guessing what you may need prayer for other than to say that as we worship here today, I'm inviting you to come to the front, step boldly before the throne today. Come up here. Let us pray with you. If you want to stand in for someone, if you have a need in your heart and you need God to touch you, we want to agree. Don't leave this place without victory today.